Greetings, Weary Wanderer, and welcome back to another edition of Lonely TTRPG. I am your host, Steel Stash, and this week we are playing Nexalis by Cesar Capacle. Now, this is exciting because I have been wanting to play one of Cesar's games for a while, and I have the opportunity to review this amazing looking game that is getting ready to go into Kickstarter, that's actually in a Kickstarter right now. So for a quick overview, we are the drifters, the explorers of Nexalis, and we traverse the star-bound isles guided by the celestial constellations on the nectar surface. We chart a course through the unknown, seeking the wonders that lie hidden within this vast enigmatic world. So Nexalis is a exploration game where we are sailors traveling on the nectar, which is the lifeblood connecting the small isolated islands and dealing with the various issues and problems that we find there. This is a game about exploration and growth in a mesmerizing and ever evolving world. As we journey through the starbound isles and the shimmering nectar ocean, we will encounter vibrant cultures, awe-inspiring landscapes, relics, and enigmatic secrets. Guided by celestial constellations, we will have braved untold challenges, learn valuable lessons, and forge lasting bonds with the players and places we encounter. Some of the inspirations for this game are C4, Aegon, Ironsworn, and Blades in the Dark. So for a quick overview of how this is going to work, this game uses playbooks for the characters. You then customize your character based on some base information, create our first island and mission, face challenges and trials on that island, embark on our journey to the next island, and reflect on our experiences as we recover in advance, and then start over all again. To play, this is a one to six player game. So yes, this is a solo game. This has everything you need for solo, but it can be a group experience if for some reason you have friends. We don't have friends here, which is why we're playing solo. You're going to need at least two six-sided dice, a copy of your playbook for each player, access to the random tables, optionally some maps for your islands, and something for note-taking and writing down your quests. Now remember to play it safe. They recommend Script Change by Bo Jagar Sheldon. But feel free to use whatever you need in order to maintain safety for yourself and your crew. For character creation, you have six options. You have the Wild Heart, embodying the untamed spirit of nature. The Bladesworn, which are the valiant champions of honor. The Spellweaver, master of arcane secrets. The Pathstrider, nimble and elusive. The Nightstalker, silent as a shadow and cunning as a fox. And the Thunder Soul, unleashing a storm of fury and destruction. For your playbooks, your playbooks are broken up into six parts. First of all, you have your ways, which are your preferred approaches. These are equivalent to your stats. You have your goals, your talents, which are your abilities and moves. Relics, which are weapons and artifacts that can upgrade your powers. And then health and energy points. For the ways, you have the way of fire, the way of ice, the way of light, the way of shadow, the way of stone, the way of wind, and the way of aether. Now, these all act pretty much as you think they would. Fire is passion and bravery used for intimidation and fighting. Ice is focus and precision. That's your willpower. Light is knowledge and reasoning. This is going to be your thinking, planning, that sort of thing. Shadow is stealth and cunning. This is going to be your thievery, sneaking, that type. Stone, strength and endurance, your physical power. Wind, finesse, speed and agility. So your ability to leap and run and do all of that. And then Aether is the essence of connection, empathy and spirituality. And that's your sociability, expression and magic. Each of your playbooks are going to have certain ways that they attune to more. But when creating your character, you will have four additional points to divvy up however you see fit. 
For your goals, those represent your long-term aspirations or dreams. So what you're trying to get out of with this character. Talents are your unique abilities. Each playbook is going to have its own collection of talents. Select three. And these talents are fueled by energy points. The standard energy point cost for each talent is indicated in parentheses following its name. If you want to perform a weaker or stronger version of the talent, you can adjust the energy point cost as needed. Be mindful not to overuse or become too focused on this option. Effects can range from those with clear mechanical impacts, such as granting a plus two bonus to a single roll, to those that are purposefully left open to interpretation. The breadth of the effect, duration, range, and potential bonuses for you and your allies might not be explicitly defined. The ambiguity is by design, inviting you to shape awe-inspiring moments within the narrative. What could heighten the drama or intensity of this scene? Is the proposed effect a fair trade-off for its cost, fitting within your collective version of the world? Trust your instincts. When in doubt, a plus two for a pertinent action is a reliable fallback. If you're feeling particularly audacious or random, by all means, ask the oracle about the scope of your talent. Again, relics are going to be your weapons and army, all right? It's assumed your character has everything they need to go on a mission. Adventuring gear, provisions, money, even basic weapons and armor. However, each playbook has access to special equipment that can grant you an edge under specific circumstances. These are relics and they can be weapons, armor, or other artifacts. And you will get to choose two from your playbook when you start out. Finally, you have health and energy points as your two essential resources that represent your vitality and power. Each playbook is going to have their own breakdown of that, so we're not going to go too in-depth on that here. Now, for the basic rules. Adversities represent all the difficult things that stand in your way to accomplish the mission. They serve as obstacles to test your skills, wit, and endurance. And there are three main types, challenges, contests, and combats. Challenges can usually be solved in a single roll and have a challenge rating from as low as four being you can reasonably expect to beat those challenges in a single action up to 10 or more, which is when you're going to have to spend more actions to overcome the challenges. Contests are going to be things like chases, competitions, debates, non-lethal duels, and negotiations. And... The difficulty of the contest is going to be determined by your opponent's skill level. So a skill level zero is an easy opponent or an easier opponent. Plus two is standard. Plus four will be a worthy opponent. Plus six, a formidable opponent. And of course, because we have a six point scale, if you're not sure, roll a d6, see what you get. Combat is when both sides are willing to inflict harm upon another. Combat difficulty is defined by two factors, your enemy's skill level and their health points. As with contests, skill levels typically range from 0 to 6, with 2 being the most common, while HP generally falls between 4 and 14, with 7 being the most common. In addition, enemies may possess unique powers that activate when they roll on a 6 on an attack. Powers do not need explicit mechanical effects. You can come up with descriptions and interpret and integrate it into your scene when it is activated you can express the manifestation of their powers as bonuses and penalties for die rolls or as changes in hp and ep but feel free to get creative with a diverse narrative effect so when you enter combat you must first define the skill level hit points and power of each of your enemies individually if you prefer you can roll dice to get random hit points with a 1d6 for weaker enemies, up to 4d6 for bosses. If you need inspiration to create adversities, you can check the oracles for challenge, contest, and combat to provide ready-made entries that you can use as is or customize to your needs. A word on balancing. When coming up with stats for an, ad an adversity, do not worry about balance or making it fair. You should decide the values based on how interested you are in overcoming them. So don't stress the balance. Just come up with something interesting and everything will work out from there. 
Now for your roles, everything's going to pretty much work out the same way. You're going to declare your action. You're going to decide the way that you're going to use way of fire, ice, light, dark, all of that. And then you're going to roll some dice and add your chosen way score. Then if you beat whatever the number is, you succeed on that thing. If not, then we're going to talk about that a little bit. So for challenges, declare your action, decide your way, roll 1d6 and add your way score. If your roll is equal to or higher than the challenge rating for the challenge, you have overcome it. Move on to the next challenge. If the score is lower, then you can either advance towards your goal by reducing the CR by one and narrating your progress, change something about the scene, introducing a complication, cost, and setback, and keep trying. Or if it doesn't make sense, narrate your failure and choose another action to go next. So for example, you are trying to pick a lock. The lock has a challenge rating of nine. You do not meet that challenge rating. So you decide, hey, I'm going to reduce it by one. But to add some tension, it triggered a trap. And now that there is gas pouring into the chamber that you're in. So you attempt to pick the lock once again and manage to succeed opening the door and escaping the gas. Now for contests, contests are a little bit different because with contests, you are opposing someone or something else. So first you need to set your contest score. All right. And your contest score is typically going to start out at zero unless one side or another has the advantage. So if you have an advantage over the other side, then you would add like a plus one or a plus two, depending how strong your advantage is. If the opponent has the advantage, then you would have a minus one or minus two to your contest score. Now, after you set your contest score, you need to know what your skill level of your opponent is. Again, this can be from zero to six. Now, like everything else, you're going to decide what you're going to do and you're going to act. So you're going to declare your action. You're going to choose what way you're using and then you're going to roll 2d6. The first d6 is going to be your roll. And you're going to add your way score to that. The second d6 is going to be whatever the opponent is. And you'll add their skill level to that. If you rolled higher than your opponent, take the difference and add it to the contest score. If you rolled lower than your opponent, take the difference and subtract it from the contest score. Whoever gets to six first wins the contest. So if you get to positive six first, then you win. If you get to negative six, then the opponent wins. And you have whatever consequences there are for that. Now, combat is going to work very similar to a contest. Again, you are fighting against somebody else, but you're inflicting harm. So to start off with combat, you have your initiative. You're going to roll 2d6. The first one will be yours. The second one will be the enemy's. Whoever rolled higher gets to attack first. Now, attacking is going to work very similar to contests. You need an enemy skill level. You're going to roll 2d6. Declare your action and way. Add your way score to the first D6. Add the skill level to the second D6. If your attack is higher than the enemy's defense, all right, if your die is higher than the enemy's die, subtract the difference from their HP. Then choose an enemy to go next. If your attack is lower, then choose one of the following. Either the enemy dodges, parries, or ignores your attack, and then they get to go next. Or they avoid your attack and deal you a counter blow. Subtract the difference from your current HP. But you get to go next. So if you're attacking and you roll a 4 and they roll a 5. You can say that you receive 1 point in damage as a counter blow. But you get to go again. You get to go next. Again. When defending, it's going to work the same way, okay? 
Declare a action for defense. Choose a way. Roll 2d6. One for you, one for the enemy. If your defense is lower than the enemy attack, subtract the difference from your HP and go next. If it is higher, you can either choose to ignore the attack in some way and go next, or you can deal a counter blow, but the enemy gets to go next. Now, if the enemy rolls a six, they also activate their power if they have one. And combat ends when either side reaches zero HP. Now, if the player reaches zero HP, then they have to face death. So if your character drops to zero HP or lower, they have to face death. Your soul is transported to the spirit realm where you need to win a contest against death itself. First, you're going to frame the scene describing how you envision the spirit realm, the personification of death, and the contrast you'll have to win in order to get back to the living world. You will play out this contest against death as per the contest role rules with some minor tweaks. First of all, death's skill level is equal to how many times you have faced death before. So if this is your first time, it's going to be plus zero. However, if it is your third time facing death, death skill level will be plus two and so on and so forth. And your initial contest score is going to be equal to your current HP. So, if you got hit for a whopping minus 3 to your HP, the contest score is going to start out at minus 3. Now, one bright side is you are in the spirit world, so you don't have to worry about losing any more HP. However, your energy points will work as normal. But if you win your contest, you will jump back into the action with half your maximum HP. If you lose, you die, and your soul is taken. In the place where your lifeless body once lay, a relic from the spirit realm materializes. Describe what it is. Your allies may keep it. Now, a few final notes on rolls. All right. For the player, if you roll a six, you have the option of either keeping the six or splitting the six. And when you split the six, it's basically like exploding die. So if you roll a six, you can say, I'm going to split that six. And then you roll two more D six. Now, the thing is, you have to keep whatever the sum of that roll is. So if you rolled a six, split it and got a two and a three, that total is five. That's now your new total. Your new total is five. But you could get a four and a three and now have seven. And if you roll a six again, you can split that six again. And you can keep splitting as many times as you roll six. Also, for effort, before rolling any die, you can spend energy points at a bonus to the result. And for each energy point spent, add plus one to the result up to a maximum of three. So if you are in a really crucial role and you really want to increase your odds, you can use your energy points to give you those benefits. And of course, for other bonuses and penalties, you can assign those based on previous actions or due to specific circumstances. So at any point, you can say, hey, things have been going really well. I did this thing really well. I feel like I should get a plus one on this next role. Or, oh man, I really blew that. I should have a minus one. By all means, do that. That is baked into the rules. Have fun. So now that we have the rules down, let's look at the basic gameplay loop. So the basic gameplay in Nexalis happens in a loop. You arrive at the island and you're greeted by the locals with a problem they need your help with. Embark on your mission, framing your first scene and first obstacle. Perform your actions in order to overcome your trials. Keep framing scenes and facing obstacles until you feel the mission is coming to a conclusion. At any point during that time, you can rest before continuing. Then you end your mission and leave the island. You embark on a journey to the next island, and you have the chance to reflect on your experiences, bond with your colleagues as you recover and advance. At which point the loop starts over again as you arrive at a new island. So arriving at the island, precisely what it sounds like. 
you arrive at the island, you're greeted, you're presented with a problem. Create your adversity by deciding what it is. Frame your scene. Overcome your trials. Now, after a scene is over, you can choose to rest before framing your next scene. But resting carries a risk. So for every hour you decide to rest, you need to roll a D6. If you roll a three or above, you will recover some level of HP and EP. However, if you roll a two, there's a looming threat on the horizon. Narrate a short cutscene foreshadowing the advances of the enemy. Now, if you've rolled a two before during this rest, the second two now is considered a one. And if you rolled a one, a new threat appears. No more time to rest, create an adversity, and get back into the action. But again, you can rest for as long as you don't roll a one or two twos. But after you've completed your mission, you move on to the seafaring phase, which starts out with your departure. Envision your scene and consider how did the mission unfold? In what ways did the island's inhabitants express their gratitude? Did they share tales of other islands beseeching for aid and yearning for the arrival of heroes like you? Bid your farewells and make your way. Then you move on to recover and advance. As your ship navigates through the nectar, once again, you have the opportunity to reflect on your adventures, recover from challenges, and grow as a character. This unfolds in three steps. You start out with reflecting. As you seek solitude on the ship, finding a quiet corner, and proceed on an introspective process. To delve deeper into your character's thoughts and feelings, there is an oracle table to help consult this. However, once you have completed your reflection stage, you will regain all your health points. Next is Bond, where you have a chance to forge deeper connections with one another by sharing experiences. So for a multiplayer game, this is an excellent opportunity to get to know the characters of the other players. However, for the solo games, this is a great chance to build on those NPCs on your ship. Regardless, there is an oracle table to help you figure that out. And then after completing the bond, your energy points are fully restored. Finally, there's the dive where each character embarks on a solitary journey to deepen their connection with the Nexus. Players, there is a table to help out with your dive scene, so go ahead and check that out. But once your dive is complete, choose one of the following upgrades. Either increase one of your way scores by one up to four. Pick one more talent, pick one more relic. Upgrade one relic, add four to your HP or four to your EP. And that is the basic loop. After that are all the different Oracle tables they have available. For the yes, no Oracle, you use 2d6, where the first die is going to be your yes option. The second die will be your no option. If you roll higher on the first die, then you get a yes answer. If you roll higher on the second die, you get a no answer. But then you have all your other oracle tables where you have many different options for island names, troubles, characters, scene framing, that sort of thing. But with all of that, we are going to now transition into our gameplay. And first thing we need to do is we need to pick a we need to pick a playbook. And as usual, we will do that by rolling 1d6 and seeing what character we get. We got a two, which is the Blade Sworn. Outstanding. All right, so now that we have our character, we need to select four more points for our ways. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and max out our fire. We'll add another point to stone. We'll add another two, two points to stone. And let's add a point to wind. So that gives us four points in fire, two points in ice, zero for light and shadow, three for stone, one for wind, and zero for aether. Now we need to choose our goal, so we're just going to roll 1d4, see what we get. Train a promising recruit, ensuring the emergence of a new generation of warriors. Nifty. All right. I get three talents, so 
There are 10 talents available, so let's just roll 3d10. And with that, I got Relentless Focus gaining plus 3 on my next roll that relies on my Fire Score. And that costs 2 energy points. Knight's Presence. Benefit from your Noble Aura and Authority, receiving a plus 1 on all Persuasion and Negotiation rolls for the scene. Costing 2 energy. And Master Tactician. Assess the situation, granting a plus 1 to rolls in strategic or tactical actions for three turns, costing three energy. And finally, I get two out of my eight relics. So let's just roll 2d8 to see what I get for that. And I got the Oathkeeper's Blade, a finely crafted sword that embodies the wielder's sworn oath, plus one when defending an ally or a sworn cause. And the Lion Shield, a shield adorned with fierce lion emblem that can unleash a fearsome war. Plus one to intimidate foes. So some of the problem with doing random rolls, I do have a very lovely image of what this character is. And unfortunately, I had an image of what I wanted to do for this gameplay. And this doesn't quite match up with it. So now we're going to have to do some more random stuff. The bright side is we have all these oracle tables that we get to use for it. So first thing I think we need to do is I have a ward. I have a ward of somebody. Not necessarily the state, but I have a young child or I have a child who needs a name. So the name table is a 2d6 table. So 3-6 is Lithorian. And for the last name, we got 2-4 Lightstep. Lithorian Lightstep. All right. So as we sail aboard our vessel, the, the Lion's Mane. Let's go ahead and call it that. The Lion's Mane. As we sail aboard the Lion's Mane. I look out upon the nexus, across the nectar, my eyes scanning the horizon for any sign of shore. Now, young Master Lithorian, it is important to keep a good eye out when one is at sea. Yes, sir, Master. Steel staff, sir. Apparently, I made this kid really young. But... Right as we're having that conversation, land is spotted. And as we make our way towards it, what type of island do we see? Rolling 2d6 for our island descriptors. Sprawling. We see a sprawling island. Yeah, let's see if I can get some little more, a uh, little more information on that. Sprawling and verdant. A sprawling verdant island. So... Yeah, we're going to say that we come up across an island with a sprawling a sprawling forest, a sprawling jungle. After all, this island looks large enough to support a jungle, and we are going to we are going to make our way towards one of the beaches where we can explore this more fully. Now, now young Lithorian, it is important that we take these opportunities to explore for resupply as well as to see if there is anybody who can need any type of help. After all, as Knights of the Realm, it is our duty to help out those in need. And as we roll up on this island, we are greeted by... We're going to roll our trouble first to see how many people actually run up to greet us. Let's see. We are greeted by a single ragged looking person who comes running across the beach towards us, trying to wave us off. Stay away. Stay away. Don't come any closer. Now, what's all this? Surely there is something that we can do to help. No, the sirens, the sirens, they've taken all the villagers. They, they, they will drive you insane. You'll be bent to their wills. So we 
have run across the Song of the Sirens, ethereal voices singing haunting melodies across the island, compelling the inhabitants to follow the sound to a mysterious destination. We need to track the music to its source, unveil the nature of this alluring phenomenon, and learn what its presence means for the fate of those drawn to its echoing call. Well, this could be potentially bad for us as our willpower is only a plus two. So the first thing we need to do, the first thing we need to do is we need to determine whether or not we can hear the music. And I'm not quite sure what role that would be. It's either going to be light or aether, which doesn't matter for me. It's a plus zero. I am going to give this a challenge rating of... I'm going to give this a challenge rating of three. Really, it's 50-50 it's if we can hear the music from where we are at. Potentially not because, after all, we do have that person who has run up on us. So they seem to have been broken away from the spell. And I got a two, so no, we can't hear the music. It makes sense. It makes sense. So Steel Stash is going to ignore the protests and pleas of the person as they start swimming out towards the lion's mane. But we are going to take young Lithorian and bring him with us. Now, here's the question. I don't know much about magic. I don't know much about cunning. Would Steel Stash think to have Lithorium plug his ears. And I'm not sure. So we're going to use our yes-no oracle. I'm really hoping for a yes here. Mm. And that is a tie. So not exactly. He wouldn't exactly think about it, which is a shame. So we're going to, we're going to follow where that villager came from and basically backtrack our way towards the village. So do we hear singing before we reach the village? Yes, we do. So then the next question is, who hears the singing? And Steel Sash will be one, Lithorian will be two. And we rolled a one and a three, which means Lithorian heard the singing. Now, this is our ward. He doesn't have any stats. This is going to be another challenge. So Lithorian has a plus zero to their ice as they attempt to resist the siren's call. And, you know, it makes sense why Steel Sash might not have heard it because he has spent most of his time droning on. I just need to determine a challenge rating for this. We're going to give this a... We're going to give this a challenge rating of four. Oh man, and Lithorian managed to resist it. Apparently, apparently Lithorian just heard the singing underneath the many lessons that Steel Stash has been imparting on him. Now, Lithorian, it is important to remember when traveling in such climates to properly hydrate on a regular basis. After all, a knight is not effective if they are dehydrated. We need to hydrate, not dehydrate. So bring plenty of fresh water and drink plenty of fresh water. And if you look over here, you can see that there are many... Master Steel Stash, Master Steel Stash. Well, what is it? What is it, boy? I, I, I think I hear the singing. And at that, Lithorian is going to stuff his ears to help drown it out. What, what, what? And Steel Stash, he's going to cock his head to the side. And he is going to attempt to hear it i'm gonna say that he does honestly he does at this point because we want to engage with the next part of the system which at this point is going to be a contest on whether or not he can resist this and we're going to start everything at i'm going to start this contest at zero because after all i'm far enough away that it's faint and for our skill level, we're going to give them a plus two. We're going to give the sirens a plus two to their skill level. So right up front, we're going to be attempting to use our will, our ice, 
to resist this as we steel ourselves, as we move closer towards the sound of the singing. Outstanding. That's a four versus a one. So we win quite well, quite handily, moving the contest up to plus three. And as we get as we get closer and the sound and the song gets louder, I think we're going to at this point we're going to try and we're gonna ask, would Steel Stash attempt to identify the magic involved? Yes, he would. Outstanding. So that means that we're going to that means that we're going to attempt to identify the magic going on here. So now we're gonna be rolling our contest again, but we're going to be using our aether as we try to identify the magic in the song. So we rolled a five and they rolled a four, but they do have a plus two. So they got a six. So they beat us by one, which brings our contest score down to two. And I think we're going to go ice again as, as we feel our resolve slip a little bit. We try to replace our mental barriers against this. So again, it's going to be a straight roll. Mm, mm. We got a four and they got a six. So that's another two as our, as our mental walls are not going up as fast as we want, as well as we want. And this is going to make us mad. Steel Stash is definitely feeling the anger. And as we press forward, He's going to tap into that into that passion. And we're going to use our way of fire. They rolled another six. We rolled a three, but we have a plus four to our fire. They do have their plus two. So they have an eight. And we have a seven. Things are not looking good for the home team as our contest is now at negative one. Yeah, I think. So we're not we're not too far gone yet so i think we're going to continue to press forward with our anger all right and they got a four and we got a five so that seems to be working as we anger as we angrily trudge along we're going to stick with our way of fire for right now reveling in that passion they got a six and we got an eight so that is a plus two and as we feel ourselves start to, as we feel our minds start to clear up, knowing that the song is getting louder, once again, we are going to roll ice to try to reassert our willpower and put our mental defenses back up. And five and a four in our favor, plus one. Our contest is now at plus three. Things are looking up. Things are looking up. But our mentals are not as strong as we want. So let's move it up just a little. Let's try to move it up a little bit more. However, unfortunately, as the song grows louder, it presses harder against our minds. So once again, we are going to turn towards our passion, as that seems to be the only thing that has been effective at blurring away. Outstanding. We got a six and they got a one on the raw rolls. So that is a 10 for us and a three for them. So that is a plus seven. That's an automatic win. Our passion seems to have burned through any ability for their song to captivate and hold us. And we are, we are well defended against them as we move forward. So we have successfully survived our confrontation. And we have found the we have found the cave with the sirens where the siren song seems to be emanating from. And what do we find guarding this cave? A storm touched giant bat. So they have an HP of 3D6, which we rolled at nine. We're gonna bump that up a little bit. We're gonna do we're gonna keep the six, but we're gonna turn the that one and two into a three. So six plus three plus three is 12. Our HP is 28. So I'm not super concerned about health. However, their skill level is four. All right. So we need to roll our initiative as we enter combat with this storm touch giant bat. So rolling initiative. 
we got a four and they got a one. So we get to act first. And we are going to take out our Oathkeeper's Blade. And we are going to swing mightily at the bat with our Way of Fire. Now we have a plus four and they have a plus four. So this is just going to be a straight roll. And of course, my first one is a tie. So, yeah, so as I swing, they move and nothing is able to connect as they kind of back uh, as the bat kind of flutters back away before it comes screeching in and now we are on the defensive and i think we're going to defend with stone so that's a plus four versus a plus three but i got an eight total and they got a six total so now i have the option of dealing a counter blow and honestly, Steel Staff seems like the type he would deal the counter blow. So we will once again defend against the giant bat as it gets to go again. We will once again defend with, uh, with stone. And they got a six and I got an eight. So that is, another, that is another two points that we will counter attack. Once again, using stone. Ah, it doesn't work out for me this time. As they get... A nine and I get a seven so my HP is going down to 26 not super concerned but that means that it's my turn and I'm going to attack with fire as I once again swing my Oathkeeper's blade and again plus four and plus four that is going to be an even roll so I got nine they got eight I successfully slash at them, nipping their wing as this bat reels back before once again charging at me. I will once again attempt to weather their attack as the stone weathers the wave. And that is an eight versus a six. So as they come screeching in, I'm going to counterattack, slashing at their body. They are down to 5 HP, but they get to attack again. That is a 8 versus a 7. I'm going to dodge this. I'm going to dodge this. I feel like I'm going to get more. I feel like my attack is going to be better than a counter blow right now. So I'm going to step out of the way and I'm going to prepare to attack. Ooh, and I got a 6. They got a three. I got a six. They got a three. So I'm going to split that six. I'm going to split that six. And I roll two threes for another six. <laughs> ah, that's fine. That's fine. I still succeed. And I still deal three points of damage, bringing their HP down to two. But it is their turn to attack. I will once again be defending with stone. Ooh. And we both rolled sixes. So they get to activate their power of Thundering Screech, which electrocutes a target with a powerful jolt of energy. Now I'm going to split my six. I'm going to split my six again and see what I get. Once again, I rolled two threes. So once again, splitting my six, I rolled two threes. I think my electronic dice are messing with me today. So I feel like, I feel like they got their special power off. I definitely took that power. I'm going to take one. I'm going to decide. I'm going to take 1d6 minus, minus my stone, which is three. For a minimum of one point. Well, they rolled a one. So I'm only going to take one point of damage. And I get to attack again. So once again, fire versus fire four versus skill level four. And once again, they rolled another six. So their power goes off one more time. And yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be another counter blow, but this time I'm going to take four damage from it, but because they counter blowed, I get to attack again. And I think I'm going to activate my master tactician, which is going to grant me plus one to rolls in strategic or tactical actions. Nothing more tactical than a fight for three turns. And this costs me three energy points. So my energy is going to go down to nine. But now I'm rolling with a plus five versus their plus four. 
And I got a two and they got a one. So I got a three and they got a one. Uh, damn, I got a three and they got a one. But that's okay because that is a two-point difference. They only had two HP left. This Screeching Bat has been vanquished. And I now get to move into the cavern where I'm confronted with the Siren. And unfortunately, I don't know what I want to do here. Because I've succeeded in my challenge of resisting the Siren Song. I have defeated her. I've defeated her guardian. Does Steel Stash have the capability of killing the Siren? That's a no. That's a no. So does the Siren, is the Siren song able to, is the Siren able to focus her song to affect Steel Stash? That's, yeah, that was a six for the yes. So that's a hell yes. So I got a hell no, I'm unable to kill the siren. And she is able to affect me with the song. So with that, let's go challenge rating six. I'm going to attempt to use my ice to resist it. So that would be 1d6 plus two, challenge rating six. And I rolled a six. I rolled exactly what I needed to do it. So, and does the Siren's attack on Steel Stash change his mind about his ability for dealing with her? Not exactly. Okay. So this is what we're going to do. So after, sl after slaying the bat, we walk into the cave where we see the Siren. And we hesitate, unable to bring our sword down for the killing blow. But the siren turns and looks at us and focuses her song at us. And we feel our minds start to slip as it is assaulted anew. However, through some strange twist, we are able to push the siren out of our mind. And we will bring the pommel of our sword down on top of her head. Knocking her out, silencing her song. At this point, we will bound and gag the siren and bring her back to the ship because we have nothing, we have no better idea of what to do with her. Now, of course, we don't know why she was doing this. We don't know what her what her intent was. We don't know what she was trying to do with the villagers. But we also can't leave her here. So that's what we're gonna do. And that's where we're going to end our gameplay. So that's next solace. I was originally going to go through the recovery and the bond and the dive, but we've gone on for a bit. So no need to really, no need to really dig into that. Check out the tables if you want to see how that stuff works. But that's next solace. This is, this is a fun game. I like this. Very narrative forward. Feels very much like powered by the apocalypse light. You definitely get a sense of you definitely get a sense of that powered by the apocalypse feel with the roles. But yeah, everything is everything is very narrative forward in this. I like how there's a lot of opportunity for non-combat things. Like I didn't have to do a combat. I did because I wanted to highlight the system, but I didn't have to. I could have just I could have done challenges and conflicts leading up to the resolution. But a lot of great opportunities for smaller things, smaller scale things. You don't have to default to combat, which a lot of these exploration games end up doing. But no, great time, great time. I think one of my I think one of my favorite mechanics is the facing death mechanic. Just doing a contest with death. And your score starting by how bad you died. And death skill being how many times you faced death before. I really, I really like that aspect because a lot of games, a lot of games, it's just if you have the ability to not die from reaching zero, then a lot of games don't take into account how many other times you've died before. And the fact that this does is very intentional about it. I like, I really enjoy that. I kind of wish I was really tempted to go through that as well, 
to have the to have the siren cause some type of insta kill on steel stash but again we were running long and that also just didn't feel like a narratively satisfying way to deal with this but yeah so now i have a siren on my ship which i don't know what to do with that's going to be a lot of fun Though if I do if I do play this some more, that does give me something to do with my bonding time. I might have to bond with this siren to figure out how not to be driven insane on my own ship. I do like the intentionality of having things like bond and reflect as part of the downtime. And that's how you regain all of your that's how you regain all of your hit points and all of your energy points. I enjoy that. It does it does give a reason to do that stuff in game, which is very important because a lot of times we take that for granted. We just think, you know what? Yeah, of course we talked about this. No, this is making you talk about that type of stuff. This is making you engage with that type of stuff. And it adds that level of intentionality that I like, and it adds that forced world building that I like. Now, yes, of course, by all means, if you're playing solo, and you don't want to deal with this, skip it. It's fine. Just say, yes, I reflected. Yes, I worked on my bonds. But, you know, when you end up in interesting situations like I do, where I have a siren hanging out on my ship, it gives you a reason to go through that stuff instead of just hand-waving it away. But, But all in all, this is a beautiful game. This has a very nice... This has a very nice feel to it. I like the island hopping aspect. I like the going around and helping aspect. I like the fact that it's not grimdark as most of these games tend to be. This is a this is this is what the author calls a bright fantasy as opposed to a grimdark fantasy. So I like that. I like I like all of the vibes about this. And if you like this, then you can currently go check out their crowdfunder. The link will be in the show notes, but go check them out. Go help back this project and get your opportunity to get the game. And if you do, make sure you tell them that Steel Sash sent you. And remember, I must ask y'all to stay awesome. This has been a Black Dragon Dungeon Company production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, Please leave us a rating with your podcatcher. It really helps get us out to more people and spreads our name out there. Or you can share us with a friend. Other ways you can help support the show is you can check out some of our products over on itch.io or drive through RPG. You can also join our Patreon to receive early access and have the opportunity to ask us any questions that you want. You can find us on Twitter at bddc underscore pod. Or you can email us at blackdragondungeoncompany at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.